All right, welcome back everybody to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. Now, my voice might be sounding a little different than normal. I'm uh, definitely coming down with a bit of a cold, so that's going to involve lots of whining on my part and uh, getting spoiled by my wife, because you know how us men are. We can't handle being sick. Anyways, it's really too bad because the weather's been so freaking amazing. I've been wanting to get on my bike, and now I'm just not quite feeling it. Um... But I have been up to some really cool stuff uh, this past, I was going to say weekend, but it wasn't weekend. This week, I started to boil sap from my maple trees to make maple syrup, which has been kind of fun. It's a long process. I think uh, it took me an entire day to boil down 90 liters into about what ultimately will be around two, two point something liters. But at the moment, it's, uh, it's still probably about six, seven liters. So I have a little bit more boiling to do, but I'll finish that in the house. And I did that on this really, really cool, uh, wood fired evaporator that my brother and I designed. He's, he's pretty much a genius when it comes to like cutting shit apart and welding it back together. And we took this old trailer box that was solid steel and we just started cutting and bending and welding and grinding and took us two days. And it's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, if you check out my Instagram. It is a beast. It weighs like 200 pounds without the bricks in it. And now it's probably about 250, 60, 70. I don't know, something like that. But yeah, that's been a, it's been a fun project. And it's, you know, definitely something we, we can only do here in Canada in the spring. So while I get ramped up and ready to ride my bike, well, I've been doing a little bit of a picking up sap from the trees every day, filling the bucket and dumping it and collecting it. And then uh, once a week, I'm going to be boiling it. So yeah. Toronto triathlete said, please do a Patreon draw. I might do something. We'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll give away half a liter or something. Uh, but if it kills you, I'm sorry. And, uh, I bear no responsibility. Um, <laughs> other than that, I'm, uh, really stoked. My, my new bike is in the process of, uh, I'm, I'm planning it and building it, um, in collaboration with Brockton Cyclery in Toronto who have been kind enough to to uh work with me this year and you know help me out on my mission of writing lots producing lots of podcasts and all this stuff so i'm building up some wheels and getting the group set and stuff uh, to to make this bike just absolutely fast and epic and i'm really stoked and can't wait to to get on this thing but it's gonna be like another month probably or two say levy until then gravel biking which is just as fun so i'm super stoked to get out this week, hopefully my Monday on my bike. On that note of biking, uh, Bike Pack Adventures, you know, that's the secondary website I've built uh, just to, to share bike routes in Canada, is really starting to take shape. It, to me, it looks pretty awesome. It's got a map of Canada. You can click your province. I've color-coded it, so it's kind of regional. But at the moment, uh, like, for example, the Prairies only has roots in Alberta. So if you are in Manitoba or Saskatchewan and you guys have some awesome bikepacking routes, go to the website, submit a route, and uh, give me all the deets, and I'll get it added up there. And let's fill this map of Canada and make this one of the best countries in the world to bike tour and uh, share all that. So, yeah, guys, um, help me out. Help me help you. Uh, yeah. What else? The Grand Depart, the inaugural Grand Depart of the Canadian Shield bikepacking route. 
uh, giving you 400 kilometer, 1000 kilometer and 1300 kilometer options is getting ready and geared up uh, July 3rd at 8 a.m. Chelsea, Quebec, just outside Ottawa. It's a beautiful place. If you're coming and you have really nowhere to store your car, just let me know. You can come put it at my house. I'm that that flexible. So I don't mind. Uh, my wife might, but I don't. Uh, yeah. So that's happening. And um, if you haven't signed up yet, you can do that as well. Click the Grand Apart button. I think there's a, uh, a register button there as well. So do that, guys. Oh, here's an interesting story. Last year, I bought some seven mesh cargo bib shorts and they're kind of where they the threads, the, the stitching was pulling off of where the pad is and was kind of tearing the cloth. Um, not so that my ass would hang out, but just not in a good way. Not when it comes to like durability. So I reached out seven mesh and I was like, yeah, I can't seem to find the re- receipts. Uh, I cut the tag off that I shouldn't have cut off and, but they were able to find me on their system and they knew I bought the shorts and they said there's a new set on the way. So got a new set of cargo bib shorts coming in the mail and I'm super stoked about that. Even though the other ones were still very comfortable. I never noticed that they were like pulling apart slowly, but. I guess at some point I would have like a uh, clothing failure mid-ride somewhere in the middle of nowhere. It, it wouldn't be a good thing. So thank you so much, 7Mesh, for, for fixing that up. And uh, yeah. All right. On that note, in today's episode of the Bike Tour Adventures podcast, I'm having a, a I had an amazing conversation with uh, Steve O'Shaughnessy of the My Back 40 podcast. A really great podcast out of Invermere, BC. He's an Ontario boy who happens to live out west, um, as so many do who are into the biking scene. And uh, he's been doing this podcast for like two, three years as well. So it's really, really kind of similar timelines to me and um, a really great dude. Uh, we had a great conversation, and um, so yeah, this is it. So I hope you guys enjoy, and uh, you'll learn all about his, you know, yo-yoing the BC Epic, and really riding some amazing routes, fundraising money for important causes, racing the Alberta Rockies. It's all very, very like British Columbia bike racing centric. I learned about events I didn't really know about, so that's super sweet. And yeah, this summer preparing for the tour divide. So I hope you guys do enjoy this, uh, this, this interview. And, um, and then if you want to know more about me, tune into his podcast and check it out. His, he's got some amazing guests and I think you guys will really like it. So, all right, without any further ado, onto the show. Welcome to the Bike Tour Adventures podcast. I am your host, Chris Panaski. This podcast was created so as to share the stories of bike tours from around the world as they embark on amazing adventures. Through their stories, you'll be able to learn the ins and outs of bike touring. You'll get insight into various cultures and countries around the world. They'll share fantastic stories of their journey and through mine and my guest experiences, you'll learn about the pros and cons of specific gear, bikes, and bike setups. If you're new to bike touring and considering going on a tour, I hope the podcast provides you with that extra little bit of motivation to make it happen. If you're already a bike tourer, I hope my guest stories allow you to relive some of your own experiences and give you a good laugh or two along the way. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hey, Chris. Hey, I hear you. I see you. <laughs> uh, bananas. Bananas. All right. I'm just adjusting the gain on my recorder. The only downside to my setup is I think my audio coming to you is just through my Mac. So it's not like any special microphone. Uh, so if you find like my audio is not great, I can just send you the recording of myself. 
It sounds pretty good. I, I know it'll sound better you, through your mic, though. Is it? Right? It's not bad. It's what you'd yeah, expect. And then, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so I, I'm 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 actually in the process of figuring out how to rework this whole thing, or I might buy an audio mixer because I'm kind of sick of like I spend a lot of time editing, and I'm like, oh, I think if I could cut that down by even twenty percent, it's worth the money, you know. It's the streamlining thing. Like it's like finding your um um. It's everyone has their diff- a process, right? Yeah. So it's finding your process and. yeah i don't know we got heavy into the podcasting right away i like it but yeah i found the same thing like there's there's things that there are things that i used to do that i don't really do anymore you know like i i I can't think of an example but you know how you just you just find your process it's i love i love podcasting i really enjoy it it's so fun yeah yeah it's uh it's been a trip you know i mean i don't even know where to start with our conversation today it's just like i kind of made some notes and i was like all right i kind of have a general idea but at the same time i'm like let's just talk I don't think I've I've don't think I've ever been so unprepared for a for a conversation before. <laughs> My life's been crazy, man, with family and the uh, new job and stuff, and it's just like yeah. What is the uh, what is uh, the new job? Oh, I'm um social media and digital digital marketing coordinator for Home Hardware in Vermeer. Oh, they, they would have that there. <laughs> you know what? It's it's I was surprised too when that position came up, but as I delve deeper into that world, not necessarily just hardware, but just places that you wouldn't really expect to have social networking. It's becoming very common. It's a very, it's such an easy way to mark. It's a marketing thing. I think it's just so easy to market to people that way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm kind of learning on the fly too. So it's, it's, it's a new gig and I think I'm kind of creative anyway. So it's, it's been a nice outlet for that, but um, yeah, just a bit busy. Like I'm, I'm like an old dog when the routine changes. I just I don't adapt very well. So it takes me a while to get my flow back. <laughs> well, and it's hard rolling into a new job and then trying to find time to podcast and all that motivation, like, and just keep things rolling. It's really tough. You have a kid, hey? Yeah. Yeah. She's a, well, we have two cribs. We have one upstairs in her room and then we yeah. have one in the basement just because we hang out in the basement a lot. Yeah. And she's passed out in the basement. So I'm like, we'll see. Yeah. She's six weeks old. She sleeps usually four hours straight six, so six weeks how's mama doing yeah she's good she's good. recovering well like right um she's been able to get out for a little bit of exercise too we did a couple snowshoeings and things like that and cool man yeah she's passed out on That's, the couch so you know breastfeeding's so, uh, tiring i mean yeah. I, I assume i haven't done it so. <laughs> how are you doing what do you think about Not this bad. Whole crazy journey oh it's exciting being a girl dad i'm, I'm kind of i'm pretty stoked you know it's pretty Just, cool uh, having a daughter actually yeah. yeah, yours is your oldest one's a daughter, right? No, no, my uh, my boy's eight and my girl's six. Oh, okay. So I had it backwards. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's all good. But yeah, I just uh, she was the last one. I, I I tucked in tonight, so yeah, I was. That's why I was a bit late. <laughs> so uh, why don't you just like tell us about yourself? So are you from Invermere then, or did you grow up somewhere else? Or I think you're an Ontario boy, aren't you? I am an Ontario boy. I grew up in the Ottawa Valley in uh, uh, Deep River, Ontario. It's kind of where I was. Yeah, that's just on the way into Pembroke, isn't it? Or, right. I'm sorry, on, into uh, into North Bay. That's after Pembroke. No, you after, had it. Right? You had it by Pembroke. So there's on the way. Yeah, if, okay. if you're coming from Ottawa, if you're coming uh, westbound, mm-hmm. you'd uh, you'd uh, okay. hit Pembroke. Yeah, and then Chalk River, where uh, Atomic Energy of Canada was. So that that's was, right. Yeah, yeah, that's the origin of Deep River. Is just a place to basically a, a small city to house all the the employees of Atomic Energy of Canada. So that's kind of how Deep River came about, I believe post-war kind okay. of thing. But uh, yeah, man. And now it's the scene there is crazy. I wish I was in Ontario right now. <laughs> Some great roots going on in there, you know? It's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's growing. It's getting huge. Like, I mean, for a while it was just, you know, 
All you ever saw was BC Epic, Alberta Rockies, or what did they call it at first? Before it was the AR-700, it was like the the Hurton and Hurton something. Oh, there's the, the Hurton Alberton, but that was... The that, Hurton Alberton. Oh, yeah. it wasn't the same, huh? No, I think that was the one that went out... Um, through Drumheller went out that way. Okay. And I, I think the, 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 the people who are organizing it just stopped doing it. I don't know if it's, you know, it's hard. The organizers have a hard job. You know, you know, you talk to Matt Cady, yeah. people like that who are organizing yeah, events yeah. and it's, it's, uh, I think it, it, it consumes a lot of life bandwidth for sure. So thanks mm-hmm. to those guys, that, you know, you know, like Leonard and, and, uh, Jonathan well, I, and I'm doing my Nathan first, and, my first grand depart next summer. So this coming awesome. summer and it's like, yeah, I'm realizing what, the amount of work in the background is for it, you know, and just to try to keep people in the loop and promote it and just get people out there and ride. And, uh, it's a lot of work. So what's, what, what's your story? It's, uh, so yeah, I'm from, uh, I was born in Kingston, but uh, I'm a military brat. So, uh, you know, grew up in all the army bases or air force bases. Did you live in Petawawa? um, Would you have lived in Petawawa? I never lived in Pet. Uh, I did some training there. I was in the reserves for a while. My brother's in Pet now. Yeah. My brother's uh, stationed in Petawawa. um, Yeah. So, uh, what else about me? Um, I was 24. I left Canada, moved to Russia because, you know, that's what the rational mind does. I wanted to go somewhere different. And there's nowhere more different than Russia, I think, in 2004. And then uh, and then from there, I just kept traveling and living in different places. And awesome. six countries later, 15 years later, I'm back in Canada and just trying to uh, to build community, you know, like just find yeah. like-minded people in my area or anywhere else for that matter and just bike yeah. Well, you're doing that. You're doing all that stuff now. That's awesome. I envy your travels. I, I never caught, I never really got the travel bug to go like international. I did go to Spain and Morocco. My wife and I went uh, well, probably over 10 years ago now, but my wife's a very well-traveled individual, kind of like you, been just so many different yeah. countries and lived abroad for over a year. And that's an experience I, I regret not having for sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, I, I meet so many people that are like, oh man, you're so lucky. And at the same time, I'm like, man, you know what? I've missed a lot of big things in Canada when I was gone, you know? And I mean, that's kind of the give and take of it all. I miss tons of things, but I've seen really cool stuff and I've been to cool places and I met my wife abroad, so can't complain. Yeah, it's just where your journey took you. <clears throat> but it's like, you know, you say you missed all these things, but then the way I look at it is like you, you, you gain so much insight during that time of travel. So it's almost like, it's like finding the balance between, being with family and doing those family events and also, you know, scratching that itch to travel, like the balance. I don't know, man. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you, could you speak Russian? I speak Russian now. Yeah. I mean, it was hard. I, I moved there. I knew how to say, my name is Chris. I'm from Canada. And I can say the first like six or eight letters of the alphabet. I could be like, yo, and then I'd forget what the next letters. I still don't know the alphabet and perf, you know, just to say it. Yeah, I can have a decent little conversation. Say something. Chris. Like, yeah, I can I can get around. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's so great. Do you speak French as well? Yeah. So my mom's French Canadian. Oh. I'm actually a French teacher. Three yeah. languages. That's rad. Oh, French teacher. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Biking. What got you into it? Is that why you moved out west? Biking, yeah. yeah. Um God, I've I've mountain mountain bike since I mean, really seriously, maybe since the 90s. It was kind like of, competitive? Or? No, no, not at all. No, okay. no. Not at all. No, I, my racing background is very non, non-existent. I would do like, uh, you know, beer races in Squamish. Like they'd have the... Yeah. Uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the, the ride it would be. But, you know, the regular Monday night 
like the Toonie rides, right? So you go out and join, yeah, join yeah. the club and Squamish, the clubs were huge, man. There were just like hundreds of people out. Oh, I can imagine. And um, actually, super tangent, we used to, someone would host a barbecue all the time. One of my fondest memories of Squamish is hosting a barbecue to like, I don't know, maybe three dozen people, just hot dogs and beers kind of supplied by the club. Yeah, the community of club is so important. Anyway, fuck, I'm going to tangent all over the place tonight. But then, um, yeah, when I moved to Whistler in the early 90s, that's kind of when I started biking a bit more. So I kind of kind of gained my experience mountain biking in one of the toughest places, I think, in the planet to ride. Well, that's what I've heard, yeah. <laughs> it's tough. It's fun, though. And then endurance late in life, like, yeah, I was a, like a trail rider up until maybe five years ago, and I started pushing distances a bit more, but... Don't have a tour, yeah. no touring experience, you know, all just short track okay. trail riding experience. So everything I've learned is just, just in the last five years. Okay. And how about road biking? Like any yeah. of that or is mostly all just been trails and no, no, I was just always trail Yeah, and downhill in the park at, in Whistler back in the nineties. And yeah, yeah. Just that kind of riding totally. So yeah, the endurance thing, it came at a really good time in my life, I think, because it was the time where. I don't know, I'll speak for myself, but you know, as, as I, as I get a bit older, recovery is harder, crashing is tougher. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, yeah, you know, just keep the rubber side down. Right. And, and just like, yeah. you know, just do my thing, ride for fitness, stay safe and stay uninjured. That's kind of my philosophy now. And endurance is perfect for that because yeah. 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 No, I, I go mountain biking with my neighbor and he's, you know, he, he's not, he's like five years older than me. He's 46. And you know, we go, you know, trail riding and he's got like, the leg knee pads and everything on. He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm old. Like I crash and I hurt for days and days and days. And I'm like, you know, you're probably smarter than me. I should probably be wearing the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah. But, so, um, so that's, it's good timing. So, but you, you have a touring background. I understand. Is that correct? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the, the way this whole podcast kind of started is, um, I think I like, I mean, I grew up mountain biking similar to you, you know, I was a kid in Trenton, had a, a Cannondale bike and I'd just be out biking every night and that was just kind of life. And then I basically didn't ride anymore. You know, I moved abroad and started drinking. So that was way more fun <laughs> yeah. in some ways at that time. And um, yeah, I didn't get on a bike until like 2009. I came back to help my dad build a house in Elliott Lake. So Northern Ontario. Yeah. Oh, I need to do something. I'm so bored out of my mind. I started road biking. And then I moved to Malaysia to teach and I was road biking there. And then I got a mountain bike again. I hadn't had one in, you know, a couple of decades at that point. And um, <clears throat> yeah, ultimately at one point, 2012 was like, I want to go on holidays. We had seven weeks off in the winter, you know, in Malaysia it was uh, the school break was in November, December. And I'm like, I'm going to go to Indonesia, but I'm going to bike instead of just drinking my face off. I can still drink my face off, but I could <laughs> still bike in between. And so, uh, yeah, I flew there with my mountain bike with a, you know, a really wobbly, shitty rack on the back. Everything I could imagine I needed, I was packed in there. And then I rode 1500K through nice. like Java and Bali and into Lombok and stuff. Um, you know, I everything, crazy mountains, volcanoes, food poisoning, oh. New Year's on these Gilly Islands, you know. And uh, yeah, so that was that was my first tour. And then from there, it was a lot of short tours, you know, like 500K in Japan, 500K in Sweden to Berlin. Um forget where else um oh i did like northern thailand and then i started the podcast after northern thailand i was like man i just want to keep meeting bike tours but i'm not touring so how do i do this and i thought what if i start a podcast and start talking to people who are riding around the world and share their stories it is cool to build that community of people it's it's fun to 
Um, I've said this on the podcast a couple of times, but it's a lot of the people I feel closest to are people that I've engaged with on the podcast via email or I am or whatever. And it's, um, it's just fulfilling work. I mean, it's, it's, it's a side hustle, but I think I just, I love the conversation. Like it fills me up, you know, like having chats, yeah. just casual chats like this. It's just, we never talked before and it's, it's to, to share a conversation between two people, just like we're sitting at the bar having a beer. That was kind of my MO is mm-hmm. I just wanted them to be super casual and not super edited, you know, like I don't edit yeah. for content or anything like that. I just trim the okay. ends. That's all I do is trim the ends mm-hmm. and get and get rid of interruptions. Like, uh, yeah, I, I see. I'm working on that. Like, um, for me, I'm kind of slow at it. Like, I I edit a bit for audio quality, and then and then I, of course I trim off the ends occasionally. I take out if somebody says um too much, but then that's a real pain in the ass. But I try, you know, because I'm that guy. I, and, say, uh, I say um all the time, all the time. Yeah, or the you know where you smack your lips together. Oh, smacking. <laughs> You can't overhydrate. You, know? you can't underhydrate yeah. or overhydrate. You have to be the right hydration level. Yeah, don't eat apples before interviews. No. Uh. <laughs> so I was just gonna say, I envy all that traveling, man. Like just just to travel all those countries on a bike. Yeah. When I first heard of you, you uh, you had taken over, or you were you were carrying on the Bike Pack Canada podcast. Mm. That's how your name first. The first time I heard your voice, <laughs> and you did that for for about a year, right? It was about a year. Yeah. Yeah. It was about yeah. a year. How did that come to be? And uh... Uh, I always, I always take shit deep, but at the time, um, after Ryan Corey had passed away, I had listened, I was listening to the podcast quite avidly and, um, they weren't, the frequency dropped. And then obviously he didn't have the energy to do that. And then it, it fell away. And I kind of realized how I kind of missed the content and missed the, the conversation and the, the wisdom and the, you know, all the stuff that yeah. was shared in that podcast. And then um, I had met Sarah at um, Sarah Hornby. I had met at a couple of summits and it had gotten okay. kind of, you know, we were pretty friendly, you know, we chat and stuff. And, and uh, Sarah and Ryan were just, yeah, just a, just two beautiful humans, you know? And um, I just reached out to her one day and I just asked, it's like, look, w- could I take over the bike pack Canada podcast? And I had no idea really what I was doing. <laughs> did some audio in the past like I, I've, I've been in bands and stuff and recorded music and whatnot yeah. so it's it's not a foreign idea to me so and then yeah my first one was with uh katrina rosen yeah yeah it was super fun what a what a fun thing but but, but the reason i did that i think it came at a time in my life w- when i felt like i just needed to give back to something you know like i don't i'm not a rich man i i don't give to charity i, I do now like i use my back 40 funds to I filter those around when I can, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to give back to the community because my, just the little experience I had in the bikepacking community was so profound in terms of uh, yeah. just the respect and love that everyone just gave to everyone else. It's like family. It was, it's so, it's so weird and woo to talk about, but it's, there is this connection between people of, you know, similar groups. Like if you go talk to your, your buddies about hockey, if I was sitting there, I'm like, I don't, can't even compute that conversation, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And so, but the, your hockey buddies are just like you're all into it, or and you know, with the cycling or touring. Like as soon as you meet another tourer, yeah, yeah. it's on. Like you talk for hours, right? Yeah, all so my I just wanted to annoyed, get back. Like, That's all. We stop on the side of the road on the highway so I could talk to tours. <laughs> so yeah, she's like, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> yeah. What was it like though to step into like Ryan's uh, shoes, you know, and do those first podcasts? Was it like? Was it weird? Was it hard? I'd never considered it stepping into his shoes 
it, it, at all because no. it's yeah I never considered that but I did feel like I was just had his had his shoes in my closet you know what I mean like I just after yeah. listening to you know a lot of his podcasts and kind of kind of knew I got the vibe of kind of what he was trying to build there mm-hmm. and I just wanted to carry that on I really wanted to do that so and it was my way of I kind of wanted to give Bike Pack Canada's podcast a boost and like try to yeah. put more like put energy into it because you know Ryan was a busy guy and at the time you know it was uh, it, I had the bandwidth to be able to you know put a bit of put a bit of put my back into it if you will so I think it was pretty successful yeah. it was really fun I met so many awesome people through that and um, yeah that was pretty wild and uh, and you started the My Back Forty podcast then after about a year uh, why the name like what is uh, what is My Back Forty <laughs> Cause, mean, I mean, I know what it means, but yeah, for the listeners, <laughs> some don't actually, some don't. And and it, I've been asked a couple times what it meant, but it's like when people uh, would ask me, especially in Invermere, a lot of the trails aren't really named. So I would just be like, oh, you know, over my back 40, I just went riding over there in my back 40. I just call everything the back 40, the backyard, because that's, that's kind of almost like the philosophy I have. It's like, it doesn't matter where you are. You could be in another country, but that's your backyard because you're riding bikes in it. Right. So that was kind of the yeah. logic behind it a little bit and then it came up the logo and just that all came about really really quickly and it's kind of lame in a way ken chernoff sent me some awesome designs that i might consider down the road but i like i like kind of having my fingers in that pie right now yeah but um yeah it's it's a fun it's just a fun i, I hate calling it a hobby because it's not well you you know you know like yeah it's way too many hours to be a hobby yeah totally it takes <laughs> it's time consuming but i mean i don't consider this what's happening right here you know it's time well spent right it's yeah exactly it's it's all the time spent like you know like you say with the editing and whatnot but uh it's it's to me it's very creative and and i think i needed that creative outlet as well like just to get my hands Mm -hmm. into something and create something and you know to be able to mix music in and just just have a lot of fun with it it's been a blast yeah what about you like uh how many hours do you spend editing the last uh, year, I've been kind of thinking about it more because in a few episodes or a few times I've talked to people, I'm like, oh, yeah, and, you know, a few hours here and there. And I'm, then I started thinking about it. I'm like, no, it's it's got to be like a solid day's work to edit a podcast, you know, from start to finish. I think I'm, you know, it's like an eight to four type thing and maybe even a little bit longer full in. I don't know. It's a lot of work, though. Yeah. Yeah. So I dig that. I dig the podcast thing. How many how many in are you? How many got like 61 or something? Yeah, 61 interviews and then, you know, a few ride, ride casts, I call them, but, you know, where I'm reviewing routes I rode or oh, like yeah. the BT 700, the log driver's waltz um, nice. and things like that. That's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to start mixing it up a little bit, I think. Yeah. And just, it's, it's, I use the word a lot bandwidth, but it's like, you know, I need to, I'm still trying to find that balance between, you know, like it's a lot easier just to sit at the mic and maybe pontificate on something. <laughs> You know, than it is yeah. oftentimes to to get in and get a conversation edited, or even you know, in our case, schedule it. You know, it can be difficult sometimes, yeah. and and um, it can consume a lot of a lot of energy. So I think it's a good idea to do to branch out, freshen it up with this or that, yeah. or training or or a trip you went on. But now we're on that subject. What's what grand depart are you doing this summer? Like which one am I riding, or what yeah, am yeah. I starting? Well, yeah, you said you're doing uh, a grand depart. I create a series of routes here in uh, on the Quebec side of uh, the Ottawa, I guess. So three loops, uh, three different loops that add on to each other. So realistically, I mean, you could ride one loop, combine two or do all three. And I've called them the, the Canadian Shield 400, 1000 and 1300. Nice, buddy. So, that sounds great. 
Yeah, so July 3rd, if you're out in the West Coast and you want to do something in July, come to Ontario. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm planning to ride the Tour Divide this year, so I'm hoping that... I saw that, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping I'll still be alive. My Hopefully my body will still function. I'm a bit worried about it. Yeah, that's exciting. Are yeah, you, uh, super do you have a Do you have a... Do you have like a, a time that you're planning for yourself? Is there a goal here? I keep putting this out there and every time I say it, I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. But I, I, I'm, oh, I think I can do, I can do 200K a day. Like I think pretty, you know, steady. Yeah. So I'm shooting for 21 days ish, but, um, I don't know. Maybe that's too fast. I don't have, I have no idea. I mean, when I, when I, when I, uh, made a goal for the yo-yo, I was like, oh, I'll do that in a week kind of thing. And based on other races I did, like 500K, five or 700K mm-hmm. races, I, I knew I could, I could, I could knock that off in a couple of days, like two and a half days. So I figured, mm-hmm. oh, you know, three and a half both ways. But yeah, I just got obliterated by the Mother Nature's hot, dusty fist. <laughs> it was just, it was hard. You'd previously did the epic in like four days, right? So to to go and assume that you could yo-yo it in in less each way—that's that's ambitious, man. Like well, that's it is. But I also uh, I added the the experience that I had and the results that I've had in true. other races. So I was like, yeah. you know, I'm I'm a different. I, I use the word athlete loosely, but I'm a different athlete now than I was then, especially mentally. A year before, for sure, yeah, especially yeah. mentally, because now I know like. I know what a 500, a 750, I know what a thousand, I need, I know what 2200 feels like. So I, 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 I have that experience, I think. And that's not to say that mm-hmm. I've mastered the puzzle in any respect at all. So having knocked off the 2200 this summer, it's nice to, it's a good stepping stone. I Go think, to 4,500 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just double what that. It's like how much? 4,400 yeah. K. I, I feel so. like. After 2200K, probably the, the game plan is not much different for 44, you know, because by then you've kind of, you're into a certain amount of sleep a night, you're the hours on bike and stuff. It's, you know, you can't, you can do 700 or 1000K pretty much without sleeping if you really push yourself, but you can't do 2000K without sleeping, you know? I think my strategy would be like, I mean, my strategy isn't to win it. Obviously, my strategy is to finish it in that time. Yeah. So I think that my strategy would be to really the first the first couple of days because I know that your body doesn't really respond positively for like two to two and a half to three days before the body's like, mm-hmm. oh, I I see this is what we're doing. Oh, this is what we're doing now. So I don't have a chance it, to stop. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a weird there's a weird um, acceptance biological acceptance that your body mm-hmm. echoes out to you. So so I think I would really like take it easy for three days and then maybe just kind of slowly ramp that up and then. My other plan, which my plan with the yo-yo is to be more circadian with it, is like, you know, ride until midnight, get up at four, ride until midnight, get up at four, you know, just like keep it really. So I know that I have four hours of, I'm not even going to call it sleep, rest, four hours of rest somewhere. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's ambitious. That's, it is ambitious. Yeah. Did that work though? The circadian method? Um, with I, like haven't, to I haven't sleeping? used it. I haven't been able to use it because the, the yo-yo, it was so messed up with weather. I ended up riding nights. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was, mm. I had a couple 30 hour stretches, I think, where I rode with very, very little rest or zero to no sleep. And then there were some sections after that, but I was so out of whack and I had like a major swelling. I was, um, hyponatremic. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I was so swollen and, and heavy by the end. <laughs> it was tough. So I, I need to really take care of my body, I think, for this, because it's a, it's a long haul. I got to have that long game strategy, right? 
I don't yeah. Know. I just want to get to the yeah, end. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I'd love to do it too. Maybe in, a, maybe in a couple of years. The yeah. baby's too young right now. So yeah. uh, later. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. Gets- my goal, my thoughts are probably 2024, if I have the chance, would be the year I'd go for it. This summer, we're actually planning to uh, to get a camper. We're going to drive out west. Pretty certain I'm going to do the AR700. Awesome. And then I saw that you did this other race. And I thought, hey, that's at the end of July. Maybe I could do that or the short one. And what's that one called? Lost Elephant. How's that? It's fun. That's a fun uh, route. Well, it's it changes all the time. So you can't, I can't really compare okay. one to right. the other. I'm not sure if the routes this year are the same as last year's actually. It's, it hasn't been on my radar for a couple of years just because I've been focusing on this other mm-hmm. stuff. But uh, they're punchy. They're really punchy rides. Like I did the Lost Elephant once with gears and once single speed. <clears throat> but they I were they were kind of different routes though. One was um, they both had yeah they were both equal actually in terms of ascent. Just a lot of footwork, a lot of a lot of time on your feet, and some of the steeper yeah. steeper climbs and and a lot of especially uh, on a single speed. Yeah, like the only time I really had to walk a lot was up Wild Horse Pass, which is kind of like out of Cranbrook, Fort Steele, and then you kind of go up and over this pass, and you end up in, um, uh, am I right in St. Canal Flats? You end up in Canal Flats, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So I walked I walked a lot of that, but when I, I don't walk, man, like you, I pound it. I walk with this urgency, like this, dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, like I just kind of keep moving forward, keep, like I just march, right? Yeah. Single speed was fun though. That was a really fun. And then the second time I did it, it was a different route. Um, same bike, same ratio. And um that was yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no the yeah, the first one I did was on on gears, but the second one I did was single speed. Sorry. And um So same bike, you just modified it to be single speed? Yeah. And then Okay. Um, what was I gonna say? Totally lost my train of thought. Lost my train of thought. It happens. <laughs> but um yeah, I did a lot of walking. Oh, yeah, and I did the the last one with just a front brake. My rear brake failed. So I just had a front brake. Like, nice, <laughs> I, I forgot that. Fuck. Yeah, it was pretty sketchy, actually. But uh, I've, I I told people that I was going to drag the fucking thing across the line if I had to. <laughs> Do you have an That's explicit intense. tag on your podcast? Uh, no. No. Oh, well, you better uh, fucking just... put one on there then. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't realize. I never ever clicked the button, but I don't know. I figured most kids don't listen to this, so somebody's going to complain. You have a swear button? (laughs) Before continuing on with the podcast, I just want to thank some of the Bike Tour Adventures sponsors. Bike Tour Adventures is proudly sponsored by Redshift Sports. Founded in 2013 by a team of mechanical engineers who happen to be avid cyclists, they've been focused on creating components that make a meaningful difference to the riding experience, such as the switch aero system, the shock stop suspension system, and the kitchen sink handlebar system. I've been using the dual position seat posts paired with the shock stop stem since 2020 and have nothing but great things to say about their products. Use the checkout code BTA15 on their website to save 15%. Beginning in 2010 with environmental sustainability as a main focal point, Restrap has been in the bag making business for quite some time. Having used a race bag since 2021, I find their holster system and magnetic buckles to be extremely effective and truly unique. Use the checkout code BTAPOD10 to save 10% at checkout. Lastly, named after the animal that roams the Tibetan plateau, Chiru Endurance Bikes was started by Pierre Arnaud Le Magna in 2009. After noticing the lack of endurance bikes on the market, Pierre used his expertise, know-how, and racing experience to create high-end carbon fiber and titanium bikes for the discerning rider and racer. Thanks, and back to the podcast. Do you have a swear button? 
No, that'd be awesome, right? Oh, you said hit the button. I was just like, no, no, oh, I meant like, you know, like, uh, sorry, when, I, when I'm uploading my podcast, yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. I might do that. Um, yes. I'm looking to get a new digital interface and I want to have one with the keypad. So I'd just be like, mm. I'll push the button and be like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. The, well, the uh, AR, <laughs> you, now you're, you're a fixie guy, right? Are you going to ride the AR on a fixed gear bike? No, no, I'm not a fixie. Um, I've been riding a gravel bike. No, no, no. Oh, I'm mistaken. It was for another dude I was talking to. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. That's lame. Oh, man. I've never ridden fixed gear and I've never ridden, I mean, single speed when I was a kid, but yeah. like Yeah. So, yeah, tell me about the AR. What do you think? What are you thinking about the AR? Well, FKT, of course. No, I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Just going out to, to rock it, you know? Awesome. If I go for it, I mean, yeah, pointy end, hopefully, and we'll see unless there's a mechanical or I injure myself, which you never know could happen, so. Yeah, it's a tough one. It got a lot of hate. That one, uh, the Middle Kootenai Pass got a lot of hate, but I thought it was, I thought it was fucking hilarious. Is that <laughs> the one you had to push? Like, so I think Theo was talking about that. You pushed forever, right? It was awesome. I just remember posting a video and I was like laughing. I just thought it was so funny. And, and it was one of those moments where it was a funny why. It's like, why? <laughs> why are we doing this, man? But yeah, you get to the top and you're like, oh, right. I understand why I'm doing this now. Because if no, you, I get to go down. albeit yeah. smoky, it was still like, you, you did it, mm. you made it, you pushed yourself, you know, you, you know, you got to the top of something that, re- that was really hard, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll dig it. You'll have a good time on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really hoping to, uh, I mean, I got to finish building up my bike. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm building a new rigid mountain bike. Were you riding suspension before? No, no. I was riding a uh, gravel bike and, uh, with Ooh. 45 mil tires. Ooh, so ouch. definitely <laughs> can't do the AR on that. No, uh, from what I hear, I wouldn't advise it. I wouldn't. Yeah, advise that's it. what I've heard. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I rode the BT seven hundred on it, and yeah, I mean, I, I I had I held the FKT for two days, but it was tough. It was hard <laughs> on the body, man. I was really beaten down by the end. Yeah, and uh, just just trying to get out of the car. Like I remember, we stopped somewhere for food, my buddy and I, and I tried to get out of the car, and I couldn't straighten my back anymore, just because I'm just <laughs> taking such a beating for like fifty something hours. It's like, oh yeah. And I just basically barely crawled to the trunk to get something out. And then I kind of hobbled back to the car. Oh, it's brutal. Oh, like brutal. But yeah, so time to go with fatter tires. Get on to something better. My coach was asking me today what I was going to run on the Tour Divide. And he's like, what tires I was going to run. I ran I, I'm running Icons the last couple of years, but uh, like 2.35 Icons. <clears throat> I okay. really like that tire, man. It's like with all the protection, like they're just burly. Like I rode 4,000K before I got... You know, and they were weeping. They were crying sealant, but they still would <laughs> they'd hold air. Oh, it was crazy, okay. man. They were awesome. Great tires. And a two, three, fives. Yeah, I just, I, I want the volume. I think um, they're fast rolling. And then, you know, I've got the volume so I could just, you know, lower some Yeah, the icons are good cush. then? I really like them. Yeah. They're sketchy. Yeah. They're, uh, like for trail riding, they're sketchy. Like, cause they're, they're like a, like a square block type pattern rather than something that's a bit more, you know, Knobby. sidewall chevrons and rolling, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just a round, nice round profile, but in the dust, they, they could be pretty slick, but they're just fast. Yeah. They're just, yeah, they're good. Yeah. I'm not sure what I'm going to get for tires yet. I know like, I mean, I don't even think they've stocked them in the world, but Mezcals, I think I know a lot of people race those cause they're fast and they, I think they have a decent little grip on the edge. I have no idea. I'm a Maxis guy, man. I'm not sure size either. I, I'm like, oh. do I go with like something like 2.4s, 2.6? Like, I'm not going to go bigger than that, but what did Theo? What did Theo run on his bike? You talked to him. What did he run? Two sixes. He was running two yeah, he runs two sixes. 
Well, shit. Yeah, even when he hit the F, when he did the FKT as well in uh, the the BT seven hundred or BTXL, he was yeah. riding two sixes. Wow, yeah. Theo. Yeah. See, we didn't get into gear. I just talked to him actually about friggin' time. We just talked like last week or a couple weeks ago. I didn't really get into gear. Oh, two sixes. Hey, that's interesting because I was thinking like two three five. I think is pretty fat for the Tour Divide. You know, like I don't think it's yeah. that. Yeah, it's not so gnarly a route, is it? Like, no. there's a couple spots, I think, but no. overall. But yeah, two six, two sixes, man. I was gonna say that that seems that's a lot of tire, but there's some sketch in that. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a sketchy route. It's fun though. You can have so much fun. Yeah, I mean, it got a lot of hate, like yeah. I said, but it's it's a really really challenging. Uh, it's the right distance. There's a, there's the right amount of resupply. You know, like okay. Yeah, no, you'll you'll really like that route. It's fun. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I wanted to go last year. I just didn't have the bike for it. And like I, by yeah. then I knew that I'm like, no, I can't go with this bike. Like, I'll just kill myself. So I was like, I'll wait. And then now my wife and I decided to do a trip. So cool. that's the plan. Focus on the BT700 and maybe, maybe like the short distance uh, Lost Elephant or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, I, I would, the Lost Elephant and AR, I would equate, you know, I think they, they're, they're, they have this kind of the same vibe, you know, really short distance, but okay. punchy, lots, lots of elevation. Lost, yeah. not, Lost Elephant could even be a bit more technical, but uh, yeah, that's cool. And then, so trip. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it sounds like you're, um, I was going to, I think, did I ask Theo this? But, you know, the endurance thing seems to be more of a, an old guy sport, right? And how old, how old it is does. Theo? He's so yeah. young, isn't he? Yeah, he's like 26. He's like 26 or something. Yeah, he could be my son, yeah. actually, if I started earlier. And, 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 uh, <laughs> it, you're seeing this influx of younger endurance athletes. What do you think? What do you think that is? Like, I mean, it's great is what it is, but it's, it's like, I wonder yeah. what, why the attraction changed. I wonder. I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, I don't know. I've always gotten something from pushing myself. So maybe it's something along that lines, you know, like you, you can ride a lot of bike, but then once you do something long distance and you, you add in the suffering of exhaustion mm. and continuously pushing those muscles. I don't know. There's a, I think there's something addictive to it. You know, there's something that like messes with the endorphins in our brains. And then we just, you know, I think you just dig it. Do you have a hard time coming? Do you have a hard time coming back? No, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm used to the, uh, oh, you're, the video just went really wonky. So, yeah. You look like a 1960s TV show. <gasps> nice. <laughs> I wonder if I turn off your video and on it. There we go. Do I have to just, do I have to start it? Oh, maybe you have to turn your video yeah, back on. Maybe yeah. computers, eh? Yeah. So, what do you find hardest with the uh, the endurance bikepacking? <laughs> butt health. Like, is it more the physical or the mental? <laughs> oh, in terms of that, I heard. Uh, do you, have you heard of the Iron Iron Boy or uh, Iron Iron Cowboy? That dude that run like a hundred, hundred and one Ironman triathlons in hundred uh, in hundred one days. Yes. That, that dude. Yeah. Sorry, I'm. Yeah, I heard of him. I heard him say it's a hundred percent of each. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, I'm thinking, it's like, you know what? He's kind of, it, it, he's kind of right, actually, because I think, again, not a pointy end guy. I would say mid pack kind of guy. Mm-hmm. But it takes a lot of fitness, right? To, to, to do what we do. It takes a lot, a lot of fitness. Yeah. And, and, um, and that's not coming from a place of vanity at all. But it's like, I'm proud of, of my age and my, my ability to, to persevere like through these events. So you have to be super fit, but then you also have to be mentally strong to deal with all the bullshit. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, in my case, yeah. just all the, all the bullshit and the negative self-talk and, and you really get to know yourself when you're on these things because you don't have a lot of other stimulus, yeah. you know? And, and when you, especially when you, the, the best part of it is trying to find that flow state where you're not thinking about anything and you pick your head up and you're like, Oh, Oh, and you look at your GPS like, Oh shit, I went like 10 K and, and it, it went by like, like that, right. Where you're just in that flow. Yeah. But yeah, so I would say it's a huge combination of both say 50, 50, but it's like, you need to be, I think you need to have a certain level of fitness and, and, um, uh, grit, I think. And you, know, you don't mind getting fucking dirty and, and hurting and, and being scratched through hike bikes chafing. and <laughs> chafing the chafing. That was what I said before when you asked me what the biggest challenge was my ass. Um, I just want to do a big tour and not have ass problems, man. Like chafing my butt all the time. I haven't found the secret combo yet, but, the seat combo. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I've meet people who talk about the, oh, they're like, you got to try this seat. And I'm like, man, every time I say somebody says that, I'm thinking, all I can think of is like, well, there's another $300 or $200 yeah. for a seat that just might not do it, you know? Yeah. And it's a, it's I'm, a big, it's a hole, man. It's a big, dark, nasty black hole, the whole seat is. world. Yeah. The beauty is that we have internet and we can, we can look at things online. I know it's not the same as putting your ass on it, but then reading yeah. reviews, et cetera. And, and I've, I've had a cell anatomica for maybe three years now and hands down for, for me personally, it's like the most comfortable seat I've ever sat on. Are those the leather ones? Yeah. It's like a hammock. Yeah. So I use the Brooks B17. Yeah. Right. The, I, I don't know the B17. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I can, I can envision it. It looks like a regular saddle, but it's just covered in leather. That's what that looks like to me. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. It does. Sag, I mean, it's right? a hammock. It's a hammock. It's right. yeah. It sags a bit. Um, yeah. yeah. The yeah, cell anatomica has the these two strips, right? So when you look down the saddle, it's like that, like a like a Spock sign, if you imagine. So so when you're pedaling, it's kind of like the 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 two strips will 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 stick with your sit bones, right? I think that's the idea. My problem right. is just like the because I'm, I'm I don't want to wear a chamois because I think there's too much maintenance, dirty as fuck. And okay, I just don't, you don't wanna, wear sh- yeah. No, I don't wear a chamois. So on the yo-yo, I had a problem because I, I was a merino underwear guy, but I should have bought a fresh pair. I should have bought a totally fresh pair for that ride. And so that tore me up pretty good. Um, but then on the AR, I wore, uh, and I've said this a few times, they should fucking sponsor me, is a Saks underwear. So skin, skin, oh, I've heard, skin I've heard tight underwear. great things about, yeah. I've heard great yeah. things about Saks. And they hold your junk up out of the way. And I think that the advantage of that is it, is uh for for men if, if women are listening to this and they want to know but it's probably just like women we all our folds in a different place right and our 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 sack gets in there and adds all these extra folds so it's like the sacks kind of holds it out of the way which is nice but then also they're skin tight so so there's never going to be this rub so i did the ar with selenotomic okay. and sacks underwear and i had some um hot spots like bruising kind of not bruising but you know yeah. just sore ass but i but i had no uh, sores or, or anything mind you that was only 700k okay not only but yeah it's not like only only th- three weeks it's not going to be you know who knows but then yeah. dean dean anderson i reached out to him because i knew he was a, a kind of an anti-shammy guy and he uh was nike pro underwear and um, big same thing super tight really really skin tight mm-hmm. really soft um yeah the chamois thing man i just don't want to have to bring an extra chamois and butter and like, I don't know. I don't know if you have to do that necessarily. I hear people. No, I don't. Use yeah, I do. Um, do so, right? yeah, I shammy. Um, I've been using bib shorts. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a problem. There's there's definitely, definitely 
it's not the perfect solution. You don't need it. You know, what you actually need to do is breathe. And when you're wearing the chamois, mm. you're not breathing. Mm. And so you're causing the, you're causing your skin to become like somebody who's sitting in a bathtub for a while and it just yeah. gets like wrinkly and weak and then starts to, to chafe and rub and whatever. Who knows? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just to me, it's like the less layers, the better. And I actually was, t- I mentioned my buddy, uh, Mark Hillary before he's on Instagram, uh, at murder Mark. And he's been on some long, long, long rides. And I said, like, what do you do, man? He's like, well, he goes, I, he'll alternate. He'll be like, you know, wear a chamois today. I'll go bareback tomorrow. I'll wear underwear the next day. Like he'll ride just in his overshorts Uh with no underwear. And he he said, it keeps your ass guessing. And it totally makes sense because you're moving, uh, chafing and pressure points around every day. Right. So you're, you're changing it up every day. It'd be like almost like changing your seat every day in a way. Right. So, so I did that. Um, oh, you did, eh? I, when I did my out west trip, I rode from Vancouver to Whitehorse and then to Winnipeg. Uh, that was two summers ago, fifty five hundred k. And I did it in uh, in twenty nine riding days uh, with, I think it was uh, thirty four days total. So yeah, it was twenty nine riding days, hundred ninety k a day. And I did that one day. I wore chamois shorts. The next day, I wore my mountain bike shorts with merino underwear. And I just alternated it. And it was pretty good, actually. Like, I don't know why I didn't continue that. Maybe because the bikepacking endurance, you're thinking, okay, well, I don't want to take extra layers or extra clothes. And it's maybe not the best method, you know? <laughs> yeah, you don't. I mean, I don't want to bring a lot of stuff. Like, I've been trying to think of what I want to bring on the on the, on the the Tour Divide. And it's like, I think I'll just pack like I packed for the AR, except I'm going to bring a better sleep system, like probably a tent. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to replace my pad and just upgrade that because I want, I want that. Um, I'm always jealous when I watch videos, like watching Ryan Dozer's videos and it's like, gets up the next morning. Yeah. like, Oh, I feel great. And I slept awesome. It's like, fuck you, Ryan. I never sleep in a tent. I love that guy. He's funny, but um, super cool guy. If I could like wake up after a sleep and actually feel good and feel somewhat rested, man, I just, I don't know if it's my setup or maybe I don't take enough time to set up, but, it's going to be really important. So I'm going to focus on that. So yeah, I'm not going to bring a whole lot of shit. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. What kind of bike are you using right now? Rollingdale. Custom Rollingdale. Rollingdale. Yeah. He's at a St. Albert, Alberta. Um, custom Thai. Okay. Um, bike packing rig. Like it basically had it kind of constructed for, for distance. And uh, it's a fucking sweet bike, man. Like I can't, like as soon as I threw my leg over it, the, the first couple spins i did riding that bike around i was like holy crap man it's just such a beautiful rig and yeah. uh unfortunately i have a steel fork on it i wish i had a tie fork i just i don't know the i don't have the cheddar for that but um um i want to keep it rigid i don't want to put suspension on it yeah um, just just to keep it reliable yeah my new bike is a uh my new bike's tie as well so i'm super nice. excited get, to build oh, that up uh, uh, in the next few months what bike it's a Chiru. It's oh, a Chiru right. divider. That. Yeah, nice. Chiru divider. Um, and it's got the carbon carbon rigid forks on it. Yeah, so can't wait, man. Can't wait to build it. Are you going to do part swap? Is Go what ahead. I was going to say. Sorry, I interrupted. Or do you have new parts? No, I'm going to buy new parts. But I mean, because mainly uh, like the front wheels there, I have to use boost wheels or boost hubs, I guess, because it's like that new slightly wider standard. And the same with the crank. So I just haven't bought them yet. And then... Uh, for group set, I don't know, one by 12 probably, but I'm not, or maybe one by 11, depending what I can get hold of price wise. I'm not sure if I'm going to go XT or SRAM, uh, just depends what I can get, I guess, you know, it's that year. What are you running? Is yours a one by 12 or one by 11 or? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, Eagle GX, you know, the, 
I don't know Eagle if it's GX. low end or yeah. mid range. Yeah. I think it's mid. Not super. I'm not a super gearhead. Yeah. I think it's like right below the XX or XO, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like just the middle. Yeah. It's the XT equivalent of Shimano, I think. Yeah. I've, I've always ridden SRAM. Well, not always, but yeah, I've, I've always made a point of trying to ride SRAM stuff because I, the way I justify it is Shimano makes fishing, they make fishing reels. So I'm like, Shimano's not a bike company. SRAM's a bike company. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I justify it. Of course, there's a lot of Shimano people out there who's screaming into the into their headphones right now. But I've had really good luck with SRAM. Like you know, the components are are they're burly. You know, the way I run my drivetrains is just like one and done. I run it till it's yeah. done, and then I replace everything again. Okay. I don't swap fucking chains, and I just don't have the time or the 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 motivation to do that. I keep it clean. I keep it lubed. I let the mm-hmm. stretch kind of happen. And I've never like, even this, this last summer, that's one drive train, like over four, 4,000 K and I just don't fuck with it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so with my Shimano GRX on my gravel bike from 2020. Uh, so I need to replace a cassette now, but I mean, I did about 15,000 K on that group set. Right. And it's awesome. But I had two chains. So I rotated the right. chains every 1100 K I meant to aim for a thousand, but it just never right. happened. So I ran the two chains until like last summer on one trip, they both snapped once and I was like, all right, time to time to change those suckers. You know, they're done. So but, uh, you think you're probably getting maybe adding 20 or 30% lifetime to the drivetrain by doing that. What do you think? Probably for yeah. the price of a, you know, a chain that's like yeah. 60, 70 bucks yeah. or whatever, 80 yeah. bucks. I have, I have milled, I've, I've thought about it for the tour divide because again, I've heard other people doing that, swapping chains en route. I also used wax. I also didn't have chain lube. I used, a, I waxed my chains on this, uh, this, this last couple of years. Like with, I mean, like the, the, like in hot, uh, wax or, yeah. What you mean? Yeah. Anyway. So I, so I cleaned up, cleaned the chains really well with a degreaser and cleaner and then air blew them out. And then I put a pound of paraffin wax into a, an old slow cooker I had. Yeah. And I put on, uh, I ordered some Teflon online from China. Yeah. I think the first bag didn't actually get through customs. It got stopped for potentially being drugs. <laughs> and then the company sent me another bag and it got through. So I was like, yay. Yeah, Teflon. <laughs> so I mixed it in and I just dipped the wax, uh, dipped the chains. And I usually do it like every, uh, every 500K or so if I'm around the house. Uh, if I'm around, I'll take the chain off. I don't really clean it well. I just throw it back in the pot and start mixing it up. And, yeah. and you know, it applies new wax. And then I hang it to dry. And then after it's done, I just kind of run it through my hands a few times to like loosen everything up, throw it back on the bike. Interesting. Yeah. When I was on my trip, I used, uh, there's a company in the US called Wend, Wend Wax, W-E-N-D. And uh, I was going to buy my stuff through them. But of course, it was shipping was so crazy. It was cheaper from Amazon. So once again, there you go, ordering from Amazon. Uh, but that's part of life, I guess. Yeah. What do you and do? they make one that's kind of looks like a deodorant stick of wax. And then every, you know, every 300K or so or 400K, I would take out that little bit of oil that they, they sell as well. And it's like a cleaner and clean the chain really quick. And then I'd just take the stick and run the chain over the stick and then use my fingers to rub it in. And man, it was nice though. Cause I was out with a buddy at one point, he broke his chain or whatever. It fell off his thing. He was trying to put it back on. His hands were soaking, like just black, you know? And I put my chain on and hands are perfectly clean. It was, yeah, it was beauty. Um, no complaints so far. It's, it's been all right. I saw that process somewhere, the waxing process. And I was just like, I don't have, I don't have time for that, man. It was a lot run, of work. I just to ride my bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the original, the initial cleaning was a lot of work. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been I've been digging yeah. the muck off the muck off dry lube, actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're a waxer, so you used to be a shaver too. <laughs> Once upon a time, <laughs> I might I might go back to the to the lube. I don't know. I haven't decided for for next year. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, I don't know. It's whatever. Just work, I mean, you know. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just so different, right? Everyone does different different stuff. I've I've never waxed a chain yeah. before, but um, yeah, I need to do that now. I need to get like. New tires, new drivetrain, tent, a sleeping pad. So they're they're not cheap. <laughs> These races aren't cheap. It adds up so much, <laughs> like so fast. Yeah, so fast. What's been your sleeping setup while you're bike pack racing in these quote unquote shorter distances? I um I'll back it up with a story because I I talked to Josh Cotto on the podcast like a, a while ago, a few back, and um, yeah. so I, I have the privilege I have at his number. And I don't stalk him like many would if they had Josh Cotto's number. <laughs> but I just told my phone and I texted him one day and I said, Josh, sleeping pad or no sleeping pad? Go. And I hit enter. I said, hit send. And I just waited. And he just gave me some, you know, a little bit of advice about the racing with no pad, which I think he does or did on the last couple, either that or one of those uh, super lightweight, you know, hollowed out pads. I don't know. I can't remember what they are. Yeah. So I tried that on the air last summer and I wasn't disappointed at all. Actually, it was, uh, it was, it was so fast, like just, you know, get out. It was, it was warm. You know, I would just put my pajama bottoms on. I think I left my tops on whatever I had on. I put my puffy jacket in and pulled the SOL escape bivy over me. And I laid in the grass with, yeah. uh, with, uh, Tim Bulger and James Folsom. So did you have a pad then or? No, I just laid in the grass, no pad. No, okay. So, yeah, so that's then, what I did then, last year too. Then in the morning, it's just like you get up, take it off, stuff it, put your puffy, stuff it, you know, get ready to go and you're gone, man. It's just so fast. And I didn't plan to sleep that long anyway. But um, on the Tour Divide, yeah. I think I'm going to bring a pad. I think that would be, for me, that would be wise for me to bring a pad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm more of an air mattress guy. If I'm going to be comfortable, I'm going to be real comfortable. Yeah. I like, uh, like I have a big Agnes. I like the big Agnes uh, blow up ones. Like yeah. they're like five centimeters thick. That's sweet, but it takes yeah. a bit of time. No, that's so. okay. I just, I'm going to get one of the, the, uh, Thermarest Neo X air ones. Okay. Like, yeah. So yeah, it's I, a I proper air same. mattress. Yeah. 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 I have a, I have so a, comfortable. that climate static V one that you saw on Amazon a lot. It's like, it's that green one and it's, it. yeah, it's a pretty cool design actually. Cause it, because when you lay on it, 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 it pushes air to the baffles on the edge. So it almost scoops you when you're laying in it. Um, it's not super uh, light, but it was super reliable. I mean, it's thick. It was really reliable. It was cheap. But I think I just need more padding. Like I'm a 190, 200 pound dude. So when I'm sleeping, same with I, me. I push through that pretty fast and get to the ground, right? Yeah. So, so I'm hoping I've heard a lot of good things about these super thick pads. So I'm willing to... Mm-hmm. Just drop the coin. How much are they? Fuck. They're like 300 bucks or something, like 250 bucks. They're a lot of money. Yeah. Money. I don't know. I got lucky with mine. Um, with my, my air mattress, I think I, I bought it at Bushtaka, which is like an Ottawa store. I don't know if you know it. It's kind of like your mech, but it's an Ottawa one. And, uh, they were stopping to stock it. So I think I paid like 76 bucks for it instead of like 150. I was like, you score, you know? That's awesome. So we don't have anything. I have to go to Calgary to get to a sports store, like a like an MEC. So it's like three hours away. Cranbrook doesn't really have a... Oh, wow. Well, no, do they have a Valhalla Pier down there, maybe? They have a Mac. They probably have a few other... Not in Cranbrook, sure. but in Calgary, for sure, they would. Oh, but, in Calgary, um, yeah. Or they do, yeah. rather. But uh, yeah, it's, it's like, don't have that luxury. Like when I lived in Squamish, you just drive down to MEC and, you know, 
yeah, I don't know. Everything's just so online now where I live in the mountains in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I have to order everything online. I guess it's kind of the blessing in a sense, like that the world has gone to this online shopping because like if you don't live in a big city where you just don't have access to stuff, like now all of a sudden you can get what you need, you know? It's not a bad thing. Yeah, and it's sometimes. cheaper. <laughs> city, cities are cheaper too. Like living close to a yeah. city, it's way cheaper. Like, yeah, I don't even know how we can afford to feed our family sometimes. It's like, how much? Shit is so expensive here. It's crazy. And it's and, gone up a lot this year. It's been it crazy, right? Like, like, like 20 or 30%, it seems like, for groceries. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy tangent there. Talking about groceries. The fuck? It's funny. But but yeah, and 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 then if I brought us any type of shelter on these these trips, it'd be a tarp. I was kind of a tarp guy. Yeah. But I'd only bring it as a burrito. Like if if it started to rain, I would just put it over me on the ground. Like I wouldn't wrap yourself up. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't erect it because it just takes too much time. Makes mm-hmm. a nice picnic blanket though. You can lay it out. <laughs> I was watching somebody's videos recently, and they're saying they always put up a tarp over their tent and they said you know why just because you can pack your tent up even if it's mm. wet outside or yeah. there, there's the morning dew all over you don't have morning dew on your tent you can pack it up and the tarp is so quick to rip down like by yeah. then you're clothed your tent is not soaking wet that means your inside is not soaking wet and i was like it's not a bad point for like the couple extra minutes that it takes if you're on a trip where you're going to carry extra weight like that's not a bad bad idea you know but you don't necessarily yeah. want an extra 300 grams or whatever, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I think the the weight thing is overrated a little bit. I mean, especially on a big route where if you don't have to push your bike that much, it's not that big of a deal, I think. Like an extra 300 True. grams to to maybe um, help out in the morning or, or make your transition to, to the bike. Yeah, easier. and it might you just know? save you a ton it. of time. Yeah, it would. I'm just going to count on the fly of the tent to keep me dry and shake it out. There's time. You're riding 20 hours a day. There's going to be a couple minutes in there. You can pull the stuff out and dry it. <laughs> One would well, exactly. And, as, <laughs> and especially if you have like, well, I, I have a tarp tent, so there's nice. no fly, right? right? Like it's just, on the tent it's all one thing yeah. so that's a pain if it's wet inside it gets inside like ah, oh, what a pain in the ass but if you have a tent like i don't even know you know the rei ones people always use and stuff you know like you can take the fly off and shake it out that's that's mm-hmm. definitely i think a bonus and then if it's nice out you could just leave it as a screened in tent and you don't have to have a tarp on right. it at all you know yeah your tarp tent though does it vent or is it just single wall like where is there a vent in it yeah it's a single wall but it vents at the bottom so it's like right. all around and at the top there's a bit of venting yeah it's, oh, it's good of I mean, it was so it's expensive good? when i bought it yeah but yeah it's great but it was super expensive i bought yeah. it when i lived in sweden i paid like danish import prices for it it was like Five hundred dollars for something that should have been three fifty here in Canada, you know. But oh, I think they're more than that, aren't they? Maybe, maybe mm. now they are. I'm, I I, I'm just yeah. for for just to keep it cheap. I'm gonna probably get an MEC, the Spark, the Spark one person tent. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna get uh, that yeah, thing. Yeah. I've heard kind of good things about it, and it's cheap. <laughs> you know, three hundred bucks versus five hundred. It's like shit, man. It's a lot of money. That's a sleeping pad, Absolutely. right? So yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm excited for you to come out west. Um, when are you gonna be out here? Yes, yeah, gonna be good. Probably leaving Ontario sometime around the 10th of July. So yeah, maybe slightly before. Yeah, that's a, that's the thing. Is I going to have the Grand Depart on the 3rd? I might ride the shortest route because I know my wife is like, she's itching to leave. And like mm. already, you know, it's me like going one more time where I'm like, come on, let me ride my bike. Yeah. And so I might do I might do the 400K instead of 1,000 just so that, you know, my recovery is quicker. I'm done quicker. Yeah. And then we can get on our way and stuff. But we'll see. I haven't decided yet. Balance. But, Gotta yeah. balance it all, eh? Yeah. Keep her happy. <laughs> happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Other than that, I'm also planning to do the uh, the BTXL in Southern Ontario. So that's oh, nice. uh, 1150 or so. Okay. And that's in June though. So. Oh, you got them stacked up. When is the, the yeah, it's going to be a hell of a sum. Probably like one every month. Yeah. Maybe two. Some that's months. awesome. That's why I got to keep it sensible as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So many options out there now. That's great. When's the tour divide kickoff? Like June 11th or 10th or something like that. Okay. I've been thinking about whether I want to do the grand depart or if I want to start a day before, kind of leaning into starting a day before. Why? And I know, I know people probably hearing that think it's crazy because it's a big effort. It's a big journey. And I don't want to, and again, not like I'm going to win it, but I want to stay focused. Like I want to, uh, I want the solitude and I don't want to uh, worry and stress out about where I am in the pack and when it's going to bottleneck and, you know, eventually hold mm-hmm. me up, you know, things like that. Are there some spots in the early parts of the race where there's like bottleneck potential or? I think so. Yeah. Especially when you have a couple yeah. hundred so riders, I don't know right? That much. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe I'm just overthinking it, which, which is pretty likely as well. But, and then <laughs> my logic too is that, you know, the, 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 the pointy end stick will catch me. Right. And then pass me and there'll be, then I'll have a small group in front of me. Right. And I'll probably just find my little nice place there. you kind of in the, in, yeah. the, in the mid pack or front mid pack, hopefully, but, but I don't know. And it's part of the experience. The the grand depart is so much part of the experience of riding the tour divide. And I can totally appreciate that, too, that. Right? but it's, this is bigger than that for me. So it's like, yeah, maybe that sounds weird. I don't know. Now I'm rethinking it again. <laughs> Whatever, man. Just do what you got to do. You know, like I, I get it. I did uh, my first big bike packing thing was the BT 700, and I went two days before the Grand Depart because yeah. I knew for scheduling. And I was just like, I can't do it. You know, like they start on a Sunday. Like it doesn't work for me. I, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, but and, um, uh, yeah, ITTs are weird. Hey, did you find it weird? Uh, in how what way? The two. Well, I guess the the yo yo is technically an ITT. Although I did run sure. into a bunch of people, <clears throat> but then the uh, the lost elephant. The first time I did it was an, an ITT, and it was just weird because it's it's a big daunting remote route, and there's no one in front of you, and there's no one behind you, and you don't you don't see anybody. Yeah. So in in that respect, and then you know, a bit um, anticlimactic on both ends, like the starts kind yep. of anticlimactic. The finish is anticlimactic. <laughs> it was for me anyway. I mean, right. climactic, climactic in a way that, you know, it's like, yeah, I did it. I finished it. Yeah. But when I well, finished it. Well, I had they- a buddy, Carl. He he came and rode it at the same oh, time. So like nice. we, and we were like the first 24 hours, we were, you know, near each other all the time or for the most part. And then he dropped after the first 24 hours, he decided, he's like, Chris, I can't keep up. Like you're, you're itching to go. He's like, you know, cause I, I was like, I was having fun. I'm looking at my watch. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could still set an FKT or whatever. And I'm like, we're good. And I'd just wait for him a bit if I had to. Or And then he's like, all right, dude, just just go, you know, like, go, just be free. He's like, ride. I'm, I'm going to cross, co- go cross country and head back to the start point. And so I was like, all right. And then when he left, it felt really weird. Like you were saying, he's like, oh, I'm all alone now. I have nobody to talk to. And, and then I got to deal with all these issues I was dealing with already. Anyways, I had issues with my dynamo i had issues with garmin i had issues with my i had no way to charge a battery i had like one small battery pack and like everything was kind of into a head and now i'm like oh now i'm and i'm officially completely on my own and what if everything dies when i'm in the middle of the forest i have to wait two days for somebody to catch up you know like <laughs> i don't know but it was all right yeah it was it just you know you just kind of go you get into your your flow state as you said 
and you keep pedaling. And that's my logo. Keep on pedaling. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's uh, it, it just always felt weird. But then the 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 grand departs are just so nice because you you get to be with your community, and that's kind of the thing that mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Now I'm now I'm feeling almost guilty talking about it. <laughs> Well, I've never, I've never actually been to a Grand Depart, so uh, that'll be this summer. I'll be definitely hitting a few of those, so that'll be, a, it'll be an exciting summer. It's a blast. Sure. It's a blast of being able to like uh, on the Epic this summer, running into just running into people, and then on the AR running into like my, my buddy Tim. We just kept running into each other on the AR, so it was really nice. Like, yeah, kind of, kind of alone all day, and then, then we just meet up somewhere in in Fernie. It's like, oh, hey, buddy, what are you doing here? kind of thing like we're just kind of on the same flow so it's yeah it's nice to have uh have the camaraderie for sure just to have someone yeah. to talk to and in these oh i've got a great ri- ri- great ridiculous story i was sorry okay, tell to interrupt it. do it no don't interrupt anytime so i when i did the uh, i did an itt on the log drivers waltz which is an 800k loop and i know that you you know who jen and eric are as well i think you've you i saw a post you tagged them hello jen and eric Hello, Jen and Eric. And I did the ITT and I started about 50K or so north of my house in Veno. I think it's Venosta. And uh, I got up there and I had the car, uh, the bike on the back of my, my parents' uh, SUV that they had left with me for the summer. And I get up there and I hook all my bags on and I take the bike off the rack. And then I realized I, I had oiled my or had rewaxed my chain and left the chain sitting at home. So oh, no. <laughs> all the bags come back. <laughs> all the bags come back off the bike, bike back on the rack. Oh, drive all the way home and I said you know what? I'll just wait I'll start tomorrow and I just stayed home and chilled the fuck out because I was like ah oh, I was so demotivated at that point <laughs> oh yeah that's so anticlimactic like that just that broke my heart when you told me that it's like forgetting you know if you <laughs> if you run clipless pedals like forgetting your shoes or something like that it's like ah oh, yeah yeah fuck. no this is way worse this is like <laughs> yeah, way worse <laughs> Oh, that's a bummer, Yeah, I was like, man. oh, I don't have a chain. This sucks. That's I'm never going to tell anybody this, but now I just did. So, hey. I would, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, I Honestly, I would have lost my shit. I would have been so upset with myself for doing that. Not saying anything against you. It's like, I just know I would have been so disappointed. Like, I just felt the pain of that. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was crushing. But at the same time, like, I had told myself I was going to start that day. And so, and it was ridiculous. We had like this heat snap. It was like 38 degrees in the daytimes, borderline 40. And so I was going to start at like 6 p.m. So I could ride through the first night figuring I'd rather do three nights than three part days, you know, uh, and just two daytimes. And uh, so by actually waiting a next till the next day, the next night, I actually lined up the weather even better. So I had two cooler days before it got ridiculously hot again. So it actually like... It meshed out perfect, but it was my stubbornness in the first place saying, no, no, I said I'm starting on this day. I'm starting instead of saying, fuck it. Let's wait one more day and to where it's a, a smart start, you know? So, yeah, in the end, it worked out all right. Awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to ride the bike again, man. I'm gonna, do you have a fat bike? Are you a fat biker? No, I saw your post too about that. Dude. I was like, hey, if you don't have a fat bike, you should get a fat bike. <laughs> I, and I was like, ah. <laughs> if you can yeah, find I'd like one. to. Um, hopefully in the, next, in the next year or so, yeah. Yeah, they're a blast. I think just think they're uh, you. You really have to adjust your expectations. I know I've ridden with people who get really upset if they have to walk or can't make a climb, or you know, it's just a different beast. It's just so much different. Okay. It's goofy. It's goofy and fun, and it's not like you can coast either, right? Like you basically right. have to keep keep pedaling them constantly. So it's a great training tool. I've always. I have yeah. talked to a few people though that said like 
three inch tires on a 29 plus is pretty decent nah. and like no no still no, not the same like, well no because the more volume you have the more float you're gonna have um, the more volume you have, I mean, as long as the trail's groomed already and people have ridden it, well, even a groomers, amount. like technically, you're not supposed to be on a groomer with anything less than a 3.8 inch tire. So, so oh, like, okay. like a Surly Nate or something like that is they're mm-hmm. pretty narrow. That's that's the ones I run. At. They're so old, but I love Surly tires. But um, yeah, for me, I'm still running 26.5, like just fat, and you can just take so much air out, and that that just changes your okay. world when you have all that volume. Yeah, you, you could just go way deeper into the into the schmeg than you could with a with a skinnier tire. I appreciate what okay. they're saying, like twenty nine plus with with a three. But mm, no, there's still pizza if you have cutters. nothing else and you want to get out biking, I guess that's the thing. <laughs> well, but, uh, totally. I mean, you're, but you are limited by you're limited uh, by the terrain. It's kind of like I remember Kyle Messier. I heard the term from him: just under biking. Right, you're just riding a little under equipped for the conditions, like riding a road bike in the winter, kind of thing. But, yeah. but yeah, especially for groom trails, like I'm, I'm sensitive about that because we have great grooming here in Invermere and, okay. uh, there, there are kind of like, it's not like I want to be so like, you know, follow the rules, but there, there are kind of rules to keep the groom terrain like in really good shape. And one of them is, is the tire width and pressure. Yeah. You know, it's not like someone's going around okay. squeezing tires, but, um, but yeah, if you're punching through the, it's like the, walking the on the a surface, snowshoe trail, you just pounding totally. through it and then destroying yeah. it yeah you know what it's kind of like walking on a groomed fat bike trail <laughs> there's nothing worse <laughs> well because and you know we share a trail network so i have no animosity towards anyone getting out there but you know um in, in the past you need know, something would be groomed and people love it because they can walk on it right and that's right. fine, but w- but when it's kind of at that temperature zone where they start punching through and they've turned your groom trail into basically a series of like post holes that you're riding through for the, mm-hmm. yeah. So th- there's, you know, in this new world of fat bike grooming, there's, I think there's a little bit of etiquette that needs to be considered before you go and just roll everything. Cause even a three inch pizza cutters, right. That's what I call them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Here in, here in uh, where I live in Chelsea with uh, the Gatineau Hills and stuff, it's like, all the fat bike trails, I believe, are also snowshoe trails. So it's like fat biking and snowshoeing. And then the cross country it's skiing, combo. it's its own thing. And yeah. and then the hiking trails are their own thing as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Snowshoes are awesome. Like as long as they're cool with us riding on their snowshoe tracks. But and they're, they're way better than sled tracks a lot of times. Snowmobile tracks. Yeah. They just get oh. turned up too much. You end up riding a ski track. Like it's ski, the snowmobile ski. That's like the best place to be. Oh, and you're stuck in fresh. that groove, right? <laughs> it's like riding skinnies all winter, you know? But uh, yeah, I, I, I just love fat. I haven't been out near enough this winter, man, at all. No, how often do you get out? I was always like a three day a week guy, but ever since the summer, I've been kind of dealing with some injuries, some overuse injuries, knees and hips. Okay. Knees and hips. It makes me sound old talking about that. My knee and my hip. But um, yeah, I don't have a lot of mobility in my left hip, okay. which I'm kind of struggling with. And uh, yeah, so I need to start ramping it up for sure. But uh, yeah, and plus the conditions. Have been and you mentioned weird. earlier you got a, you have a you have a coach, yeah. Oh, you just froze. That's the first time I've seen Zencaster freeze. Oh, he's been disconnected. Let's see if he pops back in. Hey, you're back. All right. I was wondering if that was going to happen. We're back. Was that you or me? Do you know? I don't know. It's the first time I've ever seen Zencaster freeze. Yeah. Eh? Really weird. Yeah. Yeah. This is usually a really stable platform. Yeah. I'll admit that uh, our our internet connection 
was pretty sketchy there a few weeks ago and they came to fix it and they're, okay. they're coming back to check it out. So I apologize. It was probably us. Actually. No worries. As you went out, I checked my oh. checked my phone and my neighbor's like, hey, dude, your, <laughs> your, your garage door's open. And I'm like, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Good neighbors. I was barbecuing tonight. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, we count so much on the technology. I, I just record. Um, usually I just do Messenger or uh, I have a Windows machine now or Skype mm-hmm. or whatever. I just use a, a Zoom H4n recorder. Keep, That's keep, what I have. Well, I have yeah. the H5. Keep, yeah. Oh, yeah. You keep it all. You see, you have a local copy as well as a Zencaster copy or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's a great interface. It's 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 such a fun interface to use to be able to interface with audio on your computer. It's great. The Zoom stuff. Well, I've only just recently. I was so I was recently looking at how how I could improve it so that like like I said to you earlier when I talk, it's just the sound coming in the mic and, and apparently there's a way you can hook it all up with like mic minus or something they call it and I just don't I, I don't have the the wires and cables I need for it but um yeah there's there's a way to hook it up legitly so everything's going through the recorder. <laughs> Wait, so you're not talking, uh, you're not in, plugged into your interface right now? So I am, like you're, from the, the computer's audio is going into the uh, channel two, my microphone's going to channel one, but when I'm talking to you, you're just hearing it through my computer, right? So you're not hearing it actually through this microphone in front of my face, which is the only downside to the whole thing, because I've had a few times where people are like, oh, the audio's not great, and I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to fix that, you know? I so I have right now I have my Zoom just sitting on the on the desk so it's not interfacing with my computer right now and I'm got my my XLR mic plugged into the bottom my Shure mic and yeah. I've got head, headphones plugged into the recorder and then I backfeed the audio from the computer to the recorder right. right so so the 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 three mil jack goes into the mic jack in the back right like that right uh yeah, yours looks a bit different you have interfaces yeah, on the top shape. but um but yeah that's like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll send you the link of the article that I found that shows how you can interface it, everything. So it's completely, it's like having a whole digital interface connected directly to the computer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Send me that. I've also noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this too, but microphone quality on computers and, and phones is really good. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. Like, really good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, like even on on my new part of my work, I got a new um, like iPhone 13 Pro as part of my job. It's a crazy device, man. The camera on it is bananas. It's a bananas camera. Yeah, but, you can't um, wait to go biking and take pictures, right? <laughs> and hopefully not fucking drop it. But it's um, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it has a really really great microphone in it. And I've noticed that with people sending me voice intros for the show, or if they send me voice messages, just you know, through Instagram or whatever, the, the audio quality is like, holy shit, it's so clean. Like oh, wow. super, super clean. So I think the podcast world is going to change over time where we won't need so much equipment, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you planning any trips this summer after, after the tour divide, like family bikepacking trips, anything like that? No, I'm going to miss family vacation actually. And that's something I'm trying to reconcile because I feel really, really bad about it. <laughs> so uh. yeah, I'm going to r- ride the tour divide and then, Hopefully by the time I get back, provided my time goal is realistic, then I'm going to uh, get home and then they're going to go to the island. So we're going to cross paths kind of thing uh, okay. for, for vacation. And then I I might, depending on how the TD goes, I might do the AR again. We'll have to see what my body, oh. what my body feels like. But mm-hmm. the experience I had coming off the yo-yo onto the AR was really good because because your body was 
kind of ready for it. You know what I mean? In yeah. a way, like I really wrecked my body in the yo-yo, but going into the AR, despite having poor mental attitude and uh, I recovered. And despite how, how broken down I was from the, from you know, three weeks later, I was like, I think it was three weeks, maybe more, maybe a month. But I felt pretty good. I couldn't feel my hands. My hands were still dead. But it. Oh yeah. So, so I'm thinking. I wonder if I can do that again because I really enjoyed the AR. It'd be fun to do it again. The uh, did you do the yo-yo? You started with the Grand Depart, or you started it later? I started in Fernie two days before the start. Okay. Yeah, kind of a time off thing. Yeah. No, that was uh, it was super fun. That was fun. Cool. Yeah. That would be cool if I saw you at the AR. That'd be neat. Yeah, it would be um, cool actually. Fun times. Should bring our recorders. Have a podcast date. We should. I'll have I'll have all my stuff with me. I am definitely well, yeah. bringing stuff because yeah, who knows? I might find somebody to interview along the way. So it's yeah. Have you seen? I don't know. They probably make a lightning one, but sure makes a mic that'll plug right into the bottom of your phone. And yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And the quality apparently is like fantastic. Because I was thinking about if I can get one for the tour divide, it'd be fun to do the same thing or just record stuff on the mm-hmm. way down. Yeah, it'd be fun. I used, um, I don't know, they're here somewhere. I bought like a fairly cheap lapel mic. Oh, yeah. It required some batteries, but it wasn't so big. It's actually like, oh, it's right here. So. Oh, that's tiny. Awesome. Yeah. And it just, the is wire it, is wicked long too. But yeah, it's like it just hooks on your lapel and you just How does it talk, inter- How does it know? interface? Do you interface that with your, um, as an XLR? Or? It's the little, no, no, it's oh, the little female. tiny 3.5. Okay. So nice. I actually took it and I paired it up with my cell phone when I was on my thing. And right. I, that way I had a good quality audio all the time. That's awesome. That's and awesome. I think I paid like 20 bucks for it. So yeah, they're pretty cheap. cheap. Good old Amazon. They make some really nice ones though that are a little bit better. But. Yeah, that's cool, man. So you're going to have a busy summer. What do you what do you do to train or do you just don't stop? You just keep riding your bike? Snowshoeing, cross-country skiing. Those are my uh, winter sports of choice. I do have the bike on the trainer. I, I haven't been getting on it enough. Um, and and funny or not, I've been doing some Beachbody.com. Uh, my oh, wife and good. I have it. And nice. uh, I've been just doing it to try to build up the core a bit and stuff. Because mm. I think that's where I might have some like weaknesses is core, back muscles, you know, a little bit in the arms and stuff. Because when you're a cyclist, you tend to be all legs. Yeah. And so I just want to build that upper a little bit. And um, yeah, just doing that. You know, hold the baby, lift her up and yeah. down a lot. <laughs> Six weeks, six <laughs> weeks. So like, what, nine pounds, she's like eight or nine pounds, pounds ten yeah, pounds she's like, right now? Yeah, she's nice. like 10 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. good. I, I saw some like weird post on it. No, it wasn't weird. It was a, just an unusual post to see on my feed, but it was a, like a woman doing, a, doing like a, some exercise video with her baby and it looked really fun. The baby was like having a great time doing it. So what a great way to bond. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. she loves, she loves being picked up and lifted and I'm the only one that does it. So like my mother yeah. and I looks at me, my mother-in-law looks at me like I'm freaking psycho. <laughs> Don't pick her up like that, you know, but yeah, oh, she loves it. Smiles man. on her face. So they're robust. Yeah. They're so robust, you know, like yeah, I've only dropped her a few times. So it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm not sure. laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Oh shit, man. Like some of the whippers they take are just crazy. It's just like, Oh no, how did that happen? And they just, they, yeah. sometimes they'll cry, but sometimes they just nothing like unfazed by stuff. It's so funny. Yeah. Hey, I gotta ask you, I saw in your pictures, um, your bike, are you using Jones loop bars or which handlebars are you using? Yeah, I have a Jones bar. I know they're cut, they're Jones, huh? Yeah. How do you like them? I love them. <laughs> you know what, too? They're, they're really good for single speeding. They, they're just the, the angle it puts your hands at. Like, I find having like, well, it could be my bar width too, but I have wide shoulders, but riding a really like a flat bar, flat wide bar, 
um, you don't get the same leverage that you do out of a out of a Jones bar when you have to really stand and really wind into something. Yeah, the Jones bar just has this certain leverage point that you get, um, and the and the wrist angle. So it's like your 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 hand is at a more natural, uh, stronger position, in my opinion. Okay. Rather than rather than pulling from the outside on a really long flat bar, you're you're a lot closer to the. A lot closer to the steer tube a little bit. Kind of like, okay. probably like, if almost, it'd probably feel like riding the hoods of a road bike, you know, or a gravel bike. It's just kind right. of that, the way your hands sit. But I only have the alloy one, so it's pretty harsh. Like, it's not a, it's not a damp bar at all. Right. But it's super solid, and it's just comfy as hell. Like, it's just so comfortable. Yeah, I really dig it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've already got air. I got, I'm sorry, arrow bars. I've got handlebars for my new build, but they're just a flat bar, and I'm, I'm not 100% sure... I won't put something else on, you know, like it came with the bike. Well, it came, I, I added it on cause it's a good pricing, but, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll get the handlebars, but I'm not hundred percent sure if I'll stick with them or if I might go something like that. Like, you know, the Jones loop. There's so many cool shapes out there now. I think, um, there's the denim bars there created by Ali denim. Those are, what's the shape kind of similar to Jones, but, uh, yeah, you just have to look them up. Yeah, denim bars. Um, like I said, I'm not a super gearhead, but, um, I had a surly, uh, I have a couple surly, um, I don't know what, what the model is, but they're like a mustache bar. So just like a curved out with a flare, like a 45 degree flare. It's a steel bar, yeah. but it has a, it has the small mount. So it's not the standard oh, it has okay. a 50 point, whatever mount. But um, the, the fact that they're a steel bar, it's interesting because there's, they're, and they're super wide. There's actually probably, you know, a half inch or maybe three quarter inch of suspension in that bar. Like it has this mm. flexion to it. That's really quite just nice. Just a little bit of flex. Yeah. Just a little bit of flex. But, um, that I'd like, I say that hand position, I think for long distances, I see people cut their Jones bar too. And I think they're crazy to do that. Like for me, I want the most real estate as possible. Like just, I yeah. want to be able to access it all. So why, why people would cut them off? Um, I don't really understand, but, and then the, um, what's it? Is it ESI extra chunky grips? Like really, really, really big grip on it. And um, I'm probably going to double tape them this time, though. I'm going to really, I'm going to layer tape over the whole cockpit. I just want to make it super cushy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just so you can put your hands anywhere, right? Yeah. Just really, really move them around, and and you know, there's the odd lump around the around the brake mounts and stuff. The little bolts that dig into you. It'd be nice just to kind of cover that up and just make it really, you know, it's going to take me a long way, right? So I got to make sure it's comfy. Do you use arrow bars? I do. Actually, I have. Uh, yeah. I've talked about these before, but I have um, Ryan Corey's arrow bars that have actually Sarah Hornby gifted them to me. So uh-huh. these, have, these have been on a couple trips and they're covered in Ryan's sweat and tears. So these mean a lot to me. <laughs> like, Beauties. Yeah. And then I've got the the 50 mil risers on it. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I had the, I had profile design in 2020 and I was, um, yeah, I had, I think, yeah, I think it was about the same 50 or 60 on it. I love it. I love yeah. being jacked up like that. It's that transition between like sitting upright and, and down in your arrow bars is there's not a big change, but it's such a big change yeah. for your, your body. Like it just feels so good. You're not like cranked way down, you know, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, Leah Goldstein, right? And her Shermer's neck, right? Yeah. Like, fuck, fuck that. I'm sorry. Right. Like when, when I'm sitting on my bike with and holding onto the tips of my Jones bars, my, my spine is almost fully erect, right? Okay. Yeah, so I'm super, super upright, which so to have to have the full range of like super upright and then leaning forward and then over the loop bar and then into the arrow bars, it just gives you a, a wide range of 
comfort, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So were you was you said you had a you had numb, numb hands that lasted a while. Was yeah. that like just because of the two thousand kilometers, or did something you experienced on a thousand k as well? Yeah, I always get numb hands. I, I've had okay. I've had carpal tunnel surgery, so um, I th- I think I've mitigated a lot of the, a lot of the discomfort. But but yeah, it took about four months to get my pinky back after this summer after the AR, like after the two races. It took a while. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I could barely yeah. tie my shoelaces. Everywhere you sometimes. go, you look like, like uh, a Colombian drug dealer. You're like, oh, well, they don't even work. <laughs> like it just, they don't work. Yeah. And yeah, man, it's just, I don't know. It comes back. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Do, do you get Yeah, I haven't hands? had the numb hands to no, that. Eh? No, no. I get like sore, well, I get sore pinkies, but I think that's just a little bit of arthritis kicking in. Like in just part of life, like my family. Yeah. So sometimes- I have this desire just to cut off the pinky finger. I know it's not going to help things, but so I don't do it. But like, like it hurts so bad, but uh, never get the numb, numb hands. No. Oh Thank yeah. God. It's, yeah. You're lucky. You know, maybe it's the way I have my bars wrapped. You know, truth be told, I haven't spent a lot of time like on that aspect, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to change that. Your bike looks sweet. I remember seeing it on the, on Instagram, actually what kind of frame bag are you going to put in there? Oh man, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure what I'm going with at the moment. I, I think like I, I might just do a partial frame bag mm. with the big top tube bag and handlebar. Like I, I really love the, the restrap arrow bar roll and seat post roll that they make or yeah. seat. Yeah. What do they call them? Yeah. Seat post bag. Um, they make a race version. It was perfect. Like seven liters kind of mm-hmm. holds everything you need. Right. Nice. But. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going with yet. So yeah, lots of unknowns and it's almost February. I feel like I should be on top of this. It should be like, I'm like, Oh my God, it's February. April's coming soon. Like that's when biking starts, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Is is that when it usually opens out there around April? Last year was really nice. 2021, uh, in April, we had the, uh, the spring break late as teachers, um, because of COVID. Yeah. I did a 300 kilometer rail trail loop. In April, it got down to zero that night. It was brutal and it was raining the whole time. So I was freaking miserable, but I did it anyways. But yeah, that was April. It was clear, no snow. So yeah, just depends on the temperatures though. Yeah. It's been warm out here, man. Well, the way it's going now, we're going to see dirt like soon. It's, it's, it was my walk to work was three three degrees or not three minus three today, you know? So we we haven't had a super cold winter at all. It's minus 32 tonight. Is it? Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was minus thirty two yesterday as well. I think it, I think it's a max. It's crazy. Yeah, cold snap again. Oh no! Right now it's minus twenty something, twenty two. Yeah, we had that a few weeks ago, but yeah, it's been the weather's been pretty good lately. Just warm, like it's just super warm. It's uh, Mother Nature's not happy with us. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like? Hey, that? do you uh, do you use a drop dropper post on my bikepacking rig? Yeah. No. No, I don't. No. You know I, I've thought about it too. I was like, I, I know some people talked about it and I'm like, eh, I don't know. Like my, my legs are too short. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> I, I, I don't have anywhere for the saddle to go. Right. Cause I, I'm not, yeah. I don't run a rack. I run a porcelain rocket, Mr. Fusion too. So it's, and I only have like that much space. Like that's three inches right. maybe between the bottom of the, the, the cradle and the tire. So mm-hmm. I haven't really found I've needed it to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not out there to, it's not Red Bull Rampage, right? I, I, no, it, fair enough. If it gets to a certain point, if I have to put my ass on my saddlebag, then I'll probably just walk it. Like I would rather, I'd rather get to the bottom safely, you know? Yeah. 
yeah, I don't, I don't push the limits too much. I have, I always catch myself. You, you almost, sometimes you forget you're loaded, you know, you're fully loaded and you're riding some familiar single track. And then it's like, whoa, 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 going way too hot right into this stuff. You're not, you're yeah. driving an RV. You're Slow not driving down. a race car. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. What, what else can we talk about? No, man. My mind is starting to go blank now, a bit. Do you have like a tour, a touring company? No, no. No, you don't do that. No, I thought, thought about it. Company. I thought it'd be neat, but uh, no. Um, I thought it'd be neat to like start something, but no, I have just no energy, no time. Well, that's the thing, right? It's- yeah, it's kind of misleading. Like my name, like Bike Tour Adventures. Like I, I had somebody else message me. Somebody actually messaged me on WhatsApp and was like, hi, when are you doing your next tour? Like, <laughs> and I was like, uh... they're like, I'm, I, I'm just recently getting into bikepacking and I'd like to learn more. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't do tours. <laughs> Dude, so yeah. you know what that is? That's the universe dangling a carrot for you. That's what that is. Yeah, I know. Like, I just need more time. I maybe have to re- retire from my teaching career that I just started. Oh, and then with bike pack yeah. adventures. <laughs> yeah, well, I've uh, I taught abroad, right? But in Canada, yeah. it's only been yeah. what three years, maybe now. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, that's fresh. the that's the universe presenting an opportunity to you. It's like check this out. Yeah, yeah. What about what about this? Have you ever thought of this? Oh, right, you got a mortgage and a kid. Right. <laughs> you can't do that right now. <laughs> a mortgage, a car, and a kid, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Have you checked out um, Bikepack Adventures, the other website I started? Uh, I don't think I have, no. Sorry. No. To be honest. It's uh, basically just like a community project to, to share routes. And uh, so like when you open it up, you can see like in different colors, the routes that are like your one to two day routes, and then your three to four day routes, and then your five to 10 days and kind of thing. Dude, so yeah, so that's mostly so, Ontario and Quebec right now. But yeah, but so you're building, you're, oh. you're building it. You're building a touring company. You don't even know it. <laughs> no, apparently, no. This is just a, this is just a community project. I didn't even make all those routes. And a lot of them are other people's, right? Look at all those routes, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. There's good. Ontario and Quebec for you. Good for you, Ontario. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I was looking at it now. That's great, man. What's that one way at the very very tip? The the one right down. Uh, oh, way down there in southern Ontario? London. Yeah, around London. Yeah, that's... um. Oh, I don't even know the name of it off the top of my head. I forget. You'd have to click on it. I'm a dummy, but I, I kind of always would have assumed that um, it would be too heavily populated down there to... You know, like, is there a lot of farmland and well, stuff I think down that, there? Yeah. Yeah. I think that big route there down by London, down towards Windsor, I think it's only just over 50% gravel. So that one's got a lot of pavement in it. But right, right, right. Most of the other ones are more, more, more gravel. Off-road. No, yeah. that's cool, man. Well, there you go. You've already started it. All you have to do is add a commerce section to that. <laughs> Put some products up on it. <laughs> then suddenly you're selling yeah, tours. Yeah. Easy peasy. <laughs> and then that's make awesome. biking my life 100%. Well, no. I know. I think is that kind of your ultimate goal? Do you think you would ever be able to uh, to do that? Make it financially? I don't know. Don't I don't I don't think so, but you just never know. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to like fathom it making enough money that would like offset not having a teacher's salary yeah or or the or the the flexibility of being a teacher too like oh man two months off in the summer yeah so then you get to ride and not you know you know when if you had a a company where that was your job like now now it's your job but you might lose the joy that was when it was a hobby right or when it was something that you do for fun so yeah. when you're worrying about the bills and stuff, mm. where now I have summers off and I could be like, I'm just going to go ride. And yeah. Yeah. 
So that's great. Well, that's great, great flexibility for my, for my new job. I negotiated a month off every summer. <clears throat> oh, not, perfect. Not, not necessarily paid, but just, I said, I, I go, I, I race bikes and I want to, I want to race and have family vacation. It's so important to me. And it's like, I, I need to have that time. Cause this whole like two weeks yes. vacation business, you know, the standard two weeks is just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that's still happening. Like people, people come to work so much more refreshed mentally, you know, if yeah. if they had more time to for self care and to be with family and to adventure and stuff like that, two weeks just by the time you wind down, it's time to go back. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, and yeah. a lot of companies like even like two or three weeks, it's it's really not enough. You know, like I like my wife, she gets three weeks, and I was like, man, like this really is our only summer to travel together for like a really good trip because she's off for the whole summer. You know, and Otherwise, short trips, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Enjoy that time together. You know, that's awesome because you guys are going to need it. You're going to, you're going to be busy. You're going to get busier and busier. You're going to have another one. What's the plan? I don't think so. No, the the plan is not, but one one and done one and done. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, we have the dog and the kid and that's a, that's, that makes for enough, uh, travel adventures. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's and great, I have man. the sun in Japan, so I mean, there's a lot of costs going towards that too. So yeah, of course. Well, congratulations yeah. on your yeah. your your family. I think that's awesome. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. I was looking at my daughter the other night. I I did a post actually about my kids. <clears throat> I rarely post my kids, but you know, memories pop up in Facebook, and your picture of your kid comes up, and it's just like, oh my god, I can't believe how small they were, like how tiny she was, or he was, or or just. Mm-hmm. Just or the pitch of their voice in videos and stuff like that. And it's like goes by so fast, man. Like you hear it, people tell yeah. you that, but it just goes by so fast. It's crazy. Yeah, that is the life, right? It is. It's an Yeah, adju- it's exciting. Like I told my wife, I one one thing I told my wife too was uh, uh I said, you know, as an adventurous, outgoing person, I said, I'm not gonna sit at home babysitting all summer every year. I said, I'm going to, my plan is to bike tour or bike pack and I will be taking that kid with me. And if you want to join us, join us. If you don't want me to take the baby or the child, you, you worry about taking care of her at home. You know, I said like, that's, that's my condition. Like I can't just sit around for two months being a babysitter every day. So she was like, yeah, good. Awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Good for you, man. That's good. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Take them out, expose them to stuff. Right. My my yeah. my kids. See the world. My kids have no interest in anything athletic at this point. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Just like I was <laughs> when I was a kid, exactly like I was. You know. So it's like I shouldn't Same. be. I shouldn't be surprised. But uh, yeah, I'm just trying to not put any pressure on that. Not force them. You know. It's funny though, right? Because you're like now you're like in the prime of your life when it comes to like the ability to do stuff like endurance oh, and stuff, and yeah, and you're in good like shape, and you're like, oh man, I just <laughs> wish my kids would want to come out and do this. Yeah, but it's also a really good escape, right? I'm not going to deny that. That's a good point. You know, to have to have your own because I find it's just uh, it is so it's so busy and it's so noisy and chaotic and and you know plus my wife's going to school right now, so it's just a lot. And, oh uh, wow. So to have like just some quiet time is it's hard to find that sometimes. So again, yeah. it's a, it's a big ask for our families, right. To, to take off on these adventures. But you know, I, I balance guilt with the idea that even though my kids aren't necessarily athletic, I want them to, I want them to see that 
there's so much you could do in life. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you just, you know, you, you don't have to do what I do, but you find you, do you, right? Like I have, yeah. to, I have to keep doing me or else I'm just going to, uh, I don't know, go crazy. Like you just just something you need to do yeah it's the mental health thing too right yeah, like when absolutely. i get out on that bike like I, I come back clear and it's like yeah so good yeah so it's it's i think it's important for anyone moms too to 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 try to schedule some time just to get out and go for a walk or just be with yourself for a few moments you know just to find that balance yeah. and it's hard it's hard to do but i think it's important yeah yeah you gotta have your hobbies and passions mm-hmm. and follow those things you know like like yeah. you said it's not really a hobby passion is the more accurate word but do what makes you that do what you're passionate about otherwise uh life can be really long and boring and yeah man it's just so easy to for it to be mundane and you just gotta have something you gotta have something to focus on right yeah. i think yeah because it's like the the whole nine to five grind and you know nine to five grinding you know get home and spending time with the kids and spending time with your wife and doing all the chores and you know it's just like that time on the bike is so precious so when we can get when we can take advantage of it we should i think so yeah yeah, yeah man well this has been a great conversation but you know it is yeah. midnight here and i'm gonna have to get oh, up and change dude, diapers tonight so oh your diaper duty <laughs> diaper duty yeah it was yeah, nice talking to you chris yeah i had a really good, good yeah time. man let's keep in touch yeah I'm going to say bye and turn off the recording, but we can chat for another few minutes here. So yeah, it's been great. Let's talk again soon. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Steve O'Shaughnessy. Thank you so much, Steve, for taking the time to be on the podcast, uh, sharing your stories, your explorations, your adventures, your passions, all that. Do check out his podcast at myback40.org, I believe. Uh, But you can just find it in any podcast app, myback40. It's really, really good. Some great content on there as well. So please do check it out. Side note to that, if you do enjoy this podcast, guys, I could always use your support uh, for just a few bucks a month. You know, the price of a coffee or beer or a cheap meal. Basically, you help to keep this show going and um, allow me to, to keep modifying and updating and making things as good as possible. So I do co- spend quite a bit of time editing and in post-processing and it takes me hours, but I feel like the the quality is to the standard that I that I feel is uh, acceptable. So with all that, though, um, maybe some new equipment will make things even better. So uh, you can support me at patreon.com slash bike tour adventures. On that note, I would just like to thank the newest two sponsors or Patreon members. That is Craig Daly and Bob Davidson. Thank you guys so much. I hope you guys enjoy the content and that I can keep producing up to a high standard that you appreciate. If you do want to reach out to me, you can do that through oh many, many, many ways. You can find me on the website, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Bike Tour Adventures. If you want to shoot me an email, chris at biketouradventures.com is the easiest way. All right, so feel free to reach out. Don't hesitate, and I will try to respond as quickly as possible. Thanks so much, guys, and keep on pedaling. Bye-bye.